Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Good evening. Welcome to this episode of the Black Tuesday podcast. It is Monday, and one of our favorites is joining us. She's the editor of Toasted Cheese Magazine. Stephanie Lynn, good evening, Stephanie. How are you? Pretty good. How are you doing tonight? I am good. I want to talk about an initially unpleasant topic, or I should say an unpleasant person. <sighs> Stephen Miller. <laughs> the... Intolerant Thumb tweeted out this today. Few sights in the world are more beautiful than our flag waving over the diamond as the anthem plays. Baseball is the American sport. He capitalized sport. Mm-hmm. The optimism you feel every time your batter swaggers up to the plate with runners on base, no clock, no timer, is the, is the essence of American spirit. You've seen Stephen Miller. Stephen Miller... Is as is as is as athletic as a flea with a Charlie horse. <laughs> Why do you think that the GOP has decided to try to reclaim baseball in light of the moving of the All Star Game in Atlanta? Hmm. Well, uh, maybe I don't know. I mean, I grew up in Florida, and we didn't have a baseball team. The closest baseball team to us was the Braves. So, like, I, I don't think it's, you know, like a, a southern strategy kind of thing. Um, you know, I mean, Stephen Miller is a man who has never had a ballpark hot dog in his life. This guy has never, if he's been to a baseball game, he's been in the box. He doesn't know. Why baseball? I'm not sure. You'd think that they would go for hockey. Um. And the baseball seems a little slow, a little, um, I don't know. If it's, you know, there's a good mix of players from all over the world now, and it, it seems the opposite of the crowd that they're trying to generate for themselves. I don't get that one. It's also a, Pepsi at the ballpark. It's also a sport that is made up of 43% persons of color, be it mm-hmm. black, 
Latino, Asian, uh, mm-hmm. Pacific Islander, and it's just weird to see Stephen Miller, who wouldn't know a strikeout from a worker strike, is sitting here trying to dictate sports. And Ben Shapiro did the same thing. He's like, well, we should start our own. A league of their own. Ben Shapiro couldn't fight his way out of a paper bag. He literally is the douchebag pendant that hangs from the GOP's jewelry. Maybe he thinks when they dust off home plate, that's foreplay. The dust flies when he used to. I, 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 oof, I didn't expect that. That, that, oof. <laughs> That was good. That, that was good. <laughs> I, I hear Ben Shapiro, I think, dust. Well, yeah. I mean, if he had a, you know, if that home life had a soap opera, would be the young and the unsatisfied. But <laughs> as we move, actually, still on baseball, the Texas Rangers are, tonight they played their home opener in Globe Life Field, which is in Arlington, Texas, or Irving, Texas, one of those. Mm-hmm. And they're the first major league team to have 100% capacity since the pandemic began. That means about 40-plus thousand people are in the stadium. Mm-hmm. They literally have a sanctioned super spreader event. Yeah. That, that's exactly what that is. I mean, I'm a Pirates fan, so we were doing social distancing. We've been doing that since the early 90s. We're good. There's plenty of room at PNC Park. Um, but, yeah, I saw the pictures. I I showed my husband the, the video across the table at dinner tonight, and he's like, they're going to die. <laughs> like, they want to be fools. They can be fools. And it's like, you know, it's – I don't I, – I, Every now and then, I do like to go to a ball game. There's really kind of nothing like going to a baseball game in person. But you couldn't pay me to even go to a minor league game Mm-mm. right now. And I'm getting my first shot tomorrow, so yay. But um, even after that, and the booster and the masks, and the, like our local minor league team is limited to 1,200 tickets um, for what they're going to be doing this season. And they have 1,000 season ticket holders. So, like, if you don't have a season ticket, you're pretty much not going to get in the gate. But I wonder if it's going to change, if they're going to point to this and go, well, look, Major League Baseball is doing it. It's just a bad precedent that continues on down the line, and then it turns into high school sports and you know, other stuff where people are like, well, that was fine. Well, you don't know it was fine. Now, one of the things, I mean, it's just weird to see the GOP – not weird. It's interesting to watch them defend the quote-unquote attack on America. Mm-hmm. Yet they have no issue with suppressing votes from fellow Americans. But mm-hmm. hey, don't touch base. Don't touch the altar game. Don't touch that. And speaking of, uh, Mary Keisha Bottoms said that she literally placed the blame on the. MLB decision to move the All-Star game out of Atlanta square, squarely on uh, Governor Kemp's shoulders, and she, she said that his actions has ca- have caused this. Knowing Georgia and the rapidly changing demographic, 
do you see this being a another stepping stone in the one-term governorship of Kemp? Someone took a photo of them all standing around signing that bill and put hoods on them, and, you know, it really didn't make a lot of difference. It was just a little bit more visual to be really clear about what they were doing when they were there. Um, I think all of this stuff can be used by Stacey Abrams in her run for um, governor next time around. They're, they're creating content for op ads, and they don't seem to care. I don't know what the long game is, but the short game kind of not turned out the way they expected, I think. I don't think they really thought that Coca-Cola and Delta and all these movie studios and MLB were going to be like, hey, you can't do that. That's not cool. I think they thought they would just get away with it like they have for centuries. Now, when we come back from break, we have to discuss a, a judge who didn't really have much of a legacy, but is continuing to flush that legacy down the toilet. You are listening to the Black Tuesday podcast on the FPC radio network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. We are back with the Black Tuesday podcast. Aaron's big Stephanie Lynn. Stephanie. We gotta talk about Clarence Thomas. Why? Because haha. No, um Clarence Thomas, Supreme Court Justice. Why? Because we know why, but basically he wants to regulate social media like other common carriers. This was his this is his argument. He says that Twitter's recent ban on Donald Trump's account suggests that its platform themselves, not the government officials on them, hold all the power. 
he wants to make them utilities, Facebook, Twitter, Google. So he wants to regulate them. And this is exactly what he wrote. As Twitter made clear, the right to cut off speech lies mostly powerful in the hands of private digital platforms. The extent to which it's... <laughs> It's it's funny how when I read this, I read in the upside black guy voice. Um, <laughs> I just caught myself doing that. The well, it's extent, hard because we don't really know that much what he sounds like. Exactly. This is uh, my interpretation of him. The extent to which the powers matters for purposes of the First Amendment and the extent to which the power could lawfully be modified raise interesting and important questions. He also argues that digital platforms are sufficiently akin to common carriers like telephone companies. A traditional telephone company laid physical wires to create a network connecting people. Digital platforms lay information infrastructure that can be controlled the same way. This is the same man whose wife had a hand in bringing people to the Capitol riot as, as diplomatically Scientifically and calmly as I can state this, the fuck is wrong with him? <laughs> uh, the way you phrase your questions, it, it's, it's so open-ended. Um, I could give it to you alphabetically or in order of importance. <laughs> um, <laughs> for this one, um, I kind of get what he's trying to get at with the legal argument, but, you know, my by proxy law degree. I don't think it holds much water. It, this is the, it reminds me of the, you know, the, the Internet is a series of tubes kind of thing. Like there's a basic misunderstanding of what the Internet is, what tech giants do, what the service they provide is. And I would put it, you know, I'm not a lawyer, but I would put it more like, you know, a private business like a restaurant or something like that. If you come in and you say you're not going to wear shoes or you're not going to wear your mask or whatever, we have the right to kick you out. We don't have to serve you. We're not obligated to. And one of his things is he literally talks about the at real Donald Trump account, which is not a government account. POTUS was the government account. At real Donald Trump was his personal account. And to be quite frank, they weren't under obligation to give hosting to either of them, but they didn't shut down the POTUS account until he snuck over there and tried to use it when he was personally banned. So, um, you know, they may have an argument there, but I don't think they have one for the at real Donald Trump account. And it all comes down to, you know, the guy used it, among other things, to incite a riot against the United States government. If you're not going to stop him for that, well, my gosh, you know, people have been kicked off Twitter for less. So, you know, are we going to treat everybody equally or are we not? You know, where would Justice Thomas want to draw the line? You know, his wife helped to fund this thing. You know, we're, you know are we going to shut down her bank accounts? You know, where does it end? Where does it begin? If you're going to open the door, everybody's going to rush in. Here's a man who had a chance to... be another step in the path that Thurgood Marshall helped to construct. Mm -hmm. Everyone knew he was a Republican, he being Thomas, but 
like real far right. Like he's so far right. It's just it's scary. Like this is a man who would probably install a second set of faucets in his own house so he could drink out of them. It's it's yeah. weird. It, it's it, awkward. It's psychology. It is. That level of just, not just self-hate, but devotion to that president. That president. It's like a blind devotion. Like, he's not even devoted that that badly to Jenny. If Jenny was brought up on charges, he wouldn't lift a finger to help her. Mm -hmm. He pissed away his whole Supreme Court. Like, when his time is done and they will write the about his life. He has led an un, undistinguished life as a Supreme Court justice. Is he the longest serving one on the court right now? Uh, let me check. I, I want to say yes. The, um, the, the hearings about him, I remember them being them happening when I was like a junior in college because I remember the sketches on Saturday Night Live. Um, Tim Meadows played him because Chris Rock had to play Long Dong Silver. Um, but that's the era that we're talking about. So that's when the hearings were. Um, so I, I honestly, off the top of my head, I can't think of anybody who would be on there longer than he was. Uh, he was appointed by Bush, I believe. Bush won. I want to say he is. I want to say... Because it would have, other than, if it was later than that, it would have been Clinton. And Clinton would yep. not have put him on, so... October 24th... Oh, sorry, October 23rd, 1991. 29 years, 164 days. Next is... You have a lot of people, like, under 10 years. Like, 10 yeah. years and under. Oh, next uh, would Ginsburg be, would have been in there. Yep. Because she was next, appointed by Clinton. Next, you would have, uh... Stephen Breyer. Okay. Uh... 26 years, 245 days. And then you have John Roberts, Samuel Alito, and then like Senior Sotomayor, Lena Kagan, then like Beer Brett. No, sorry. Uh, yeah. Uh, sorry, Neil uh, Gorsuch, Beer Brett, and Barrett. And it's just... And those last three shouldn't be there. At all. And hopefully they can add three more in the next four years. But to see a justice, like, forfeit whatever scintilla or shred of legacy that he may have had because of Donald Trump. Yeah, Donald Trump. Gross. And, yeah, and it came out about how people are still sending money to him, to his campaign. The campaign for what? He's not coming back. But I, I don't get the blind devotion to him, except that it kind of gave people a place to set their feet to be like, oh, well, this is where we are now. So I can stand here and, you know, scream fake news at somebody like, you know, Governor Zantis did to the 60 Minutes reporter. He just stood there and said, that's a false narrative. No, it's not. She just told you where the closest public to Bill Glade was. That's not a false narrative. That's a fact. But that's where we stand. And everybody is kind of use Trump like this, you know, point on the horizon that we can be like, hey, we, that's where we are and that's where we're headed and we're going to, 
you know, we, we can be awful because he set the groundwork that allows us to be awful. And now we all kind of accept a certain level of terrible. It's exactly. It's, it's a level of just the bar is very low. Speaking yeah. of the bar being very low, one thing that people should never, ever do is actually two things. One, you're a Florida State alum, proud mm-hmm. of your school. And no one from any other school, especially an Ivy League school, should ever, ever degrade the quality of anybody's education. Let's talk about Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis is, as we know, the governor of Florida. And there's a 60-minute expose about how pretty much pay-for-play that he's been trying to, well, actually, he's been succeeding in mm-hmm. accomplishing as far as the vaccine, where Publix, which is a grocery store chain, I think is in Lakeland-based, they donated $100,000 to the the DeSantis political action committee, and now they have the ability to don't to distribute the virus, uh, distribute the, virus, distribute the vaccine. Yeah. Now, one of the other places is uh, Manatee County, which I have no idea where, but the Lakewood Ranch is like a gated community, mm-hmm. and people are catching DeSantis distributing this vaccine through only the rich people in Florida. Yeah. Now, this is and a man who... who aren't Floridians as well. You didn't have to have a residency proof. Exactly. And this is a man who had political aspirations far beyond the governorship of Florida. At what mm-hmm. point do we look at DeSantis and we look at his upcoming election as there's no way this man should win re-election? I thought that Rick Scott was going to be it. And I don't remember if he served two terms or not, but they turned around and said, we love this Republican stuff. Let's do that some more. And went for DeSantis. It's insanity. And then uh, you have, like, Gates is from the panhandle. He's the least panhandly sounding Floridian I've ever heard in my life. But um, that's who he represents. Um, it, I, <laughs> I like to say it's just playing crazy. Florida's always been a little out there, but now I don't even recognize it. There aren't aren't words for stuff like, you know, well, we're going to send, we have a thousand doses to send to this county. We're going to put all of the doses in the rich neighborhood where anybody can come and get it so long as you can get there. And, you know, we've got people who are, you know, working people who work in grocery stores, nurses' aides, stuff like that, that live in West Palm Beach, well, they can't get the vaccine. Or people who live, you know, further out, like I said, in Belgrade, um, you know, the, where the poorer people, the, you know, browner people live, well, they're definitely not going to get it because they've got to take a two-hour bus ride if they want to get to their closest public. It's, and, and the thing is, it, it's just, it's all over money. I don't even think it's power. I think it's just plain cash. He he seems to dig it, and the voters are like, "Hey, that's you know, as long as I'm getting mine, you know, wealthy people over 65 are the ones who are voting for him, and the ones who are funding his campaign. So they're the ones he cares about." Now, 
when I look at Florida, and we, you know, you you mentioned Matt Gates and you mentioned Marco Rubio and Rooks. It's just mm-hmm. a state so big. They just you'd be surprised with the dearth of quality candidates, but yet you have quality candidates being pushed out, like the South Florida congresswomen who were pushed out via defund the police and you know things like that, like the labor that was falsely attached to them and people want there's that Bugs Bunny gif of him taking a saw and sawing <laughs> Florida off into the Atlantic I don't give up on Florida because it's such a big state and chances are one day blue has to happen like completely blue well they built so much when I last went to Florida was 2016 and just flying in I couldn't recognize for it it's so built up it used to be there was a lot of green space and a lot of swamp and jungle and you know places where they could have like environmental centers and nature parks and things like that and all of that is gone and all this stuff that used to be orange groves on a nice drive along Claremont has been turned into a community called the villages and it's all built on limestone and it's full of baby boomers, and it's like, can the ground literally hold this many people? And now they've got this spill in Manatee County, and it's like apparently they don't have the infrastructure to take care of the population that they have there now. And, you know, I I do miss Florida a lot in a lot of ways, but I think I miss the Florida I grew up with. I look at the news now, and I see, like, public greasing the palms of the governor and stuff like that. I was like, I don't think I'd want to live there. I don't want to live among people that are okay with that. It's, def- it's a very different place. There's definitely a changing landscape. I wanted to, you know, come back from break. I want to discuss a disturbing trend in emergency rooms. You are listening to the Black Tuesday podcast on the FPC radio network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We are back with the Black Tuesday podcast. Terrence Big, Stephanie Lenz. Stephanie, there is a article I read today, and it is a. It was in the Journal of Pediatrics, and it discussed P 
pediatric mental health concerns as far as emergency room visits. They account for 16 to about 25% of all emergency room visits. And what the scary part is, the stays of longer than 12 hours have increased from like almost three times the amount. And people aren't sure why. Do you think that emergency departments in general, not just for children but adults, they're ill-equipped to handle mental health issues? And how do you think they should um, alleviate this problem? I, I do think that that's what the case is. And I think emergency room um, people who work in, in ERs would tell you that right away as well. They just don't have it. I mean, they're ready for traumas, they're ready for drug overdoses, stuff like that, but um, when it comes time to call in the psychiatrist or the psychologist, um, you know, they're limited in who they have to call. There might not be somebody on staff, especially in, you know, uh, second and third level hospitals, they definitely don't have a psychiatrist on staff on call to get. It might take them some time to get somebody in. Um, I'm sure that children's hospitals are probably going to be the same way um, unless there's like a specific consult kind of thing. But um, I, I think that they just, we're, we're so used to not prioritizing mental health that, you know, it's, it's one thing if you say you come in and you have a problem and it presents a certain way and they're like, okay, well, we need to call an endocrinologist or we need to call a cardiologist. We have somebody on hand. We have a certain thing we need to do. Um, someone's on call, we'll, we'll bring them in, we'll get it taken care of. Whereas if it's mental health, um, they know who they're supposed to call, but it's a case of, well, it can wait. We don't take mental health or emotional health as seriously as physical health. Um, and people tend not to listen to kids, tend not to believe kids. Um, if a kid tells you, you know, that they're in crisis or they're hurting in some way, and maybe they're not able to put it in, in the right words to get it, it's going to take a little bit longer to get them diagnosed and then to get somebody down there. Um, you know, on a, on a good day in a kid's hospital ER, you can get um, in and out in five hours or in and put into the room. Uh, the thing is, if you have a child in crisis, um, how many hospitals are going to have a way, a ward, a facility to take care of mental health crises. Um, we've not had to go to Children's in Pittsburgh for mental health issues, but we have had to go, my, my kids both have chronic medical conditions, and we have had to go through the ER um, for admissions with my daughter, and it takes quite a while to get her in there with physical illness. I can't imagine if we were in there because you know she was having thoughts of self-harm or something, they might have just turned us out on the street. I don't even know what the procedure is to get a child admitted to the hospital. And if so, is that the hospital to get admitted to? We don't have a good network of mental health, of mental health safety net in this country. Um, you know, the fact that it's hard to find therapy and it's hard to get there and it's hard to make it affordable. And then a lot of insurances don't cover it. It tells you, the value that we place on mental health and mental wellness. That's the part 
you look at it, I wish that hospitals, you know, they they deal with more of the inter- they deal with the physical ailments and sometimes when people go to emergency they you know there is a a component that you can't see you can't see mental illness and it's one of those things that it needs to definitely be taken you know seriously now a less serious topic as we shift is Lena Dunham <sighs> she exhausts me She's tiring. She, I was kind of cajoled into watching Girls when it was popular. I'm like, oh, this show's funny. Turn it on. I'm like, I lasted about four episodes, and I waited for a laugh. You lasted longer than I did. I got about ten minutes into an episode where um, her family, I think, was taking her to the airport where she was off to the Iowa Writers Conference, and I'm like, no. <laughs> This this wouldn't happen with this person. The Iowa Writers Conference is extremely selective and very difficult to get, like notoriously difficult to get into. And from what I had seen so far in the episode, it was like, well, this person's very vapid and not interested in things. She would have to actively pursue getting into that conference, so I turned it off at that point. I didn't even get to see Adam Driver. I mean, but just now, she has... Apparently a line of clothes, like it, she's calling it the Spanx Liberation Movement. I uh, so she's ripping down another brand to build her own brand. Pretty much, and she's doing a bunch of suits and things like that. And where I saw her is that she had this thing for not thing, but she was footing with. NFL player Odell Beckham Jr. and apparently they were at a function together and she was, for like a term, shooting her shot. And he really wasn't feeling it and he just kind of was nice and he kind of blew her off. And she made this whole deal about how he blew her off. He wasn't mean to her. He didn't insult her. He just wasn't interested. And the way she framed it was he was being mean to her and he did this and he explained, he's like, I just wasn't interested. And the fact that she made a scene like the pretty much who am I, she drew attention to herself. And it's just great. That's what she subsists on is drawing attention to herself. That's all that she's about. I've not found any substance to anything she's done other than being a magnet for attention. Because girls wasn't funny. Like it just, and it just was just, how do I explain this? It was Seinfeld for, like, the pasty boob set. It was just there. And just the interplay, I saw the talking, it was just, it wasn't interesting. It just, it droned. And then it's funny that she wrote it because it's an extension of her personality or lack thereof. Mm -hmm. I saw, um, I was suggested a thing on Amazon and it was a movie called My Art. And I was like, oh, that sounds like it's a documentary or something. And it's like, I'll always watch something about art. So I put it on, and it was not a documentary. It was a fictional piece um, about a fictional version of her mother, who is a, an artist who does, like, tiny furniture and stuff, which was the movie that came out that kind of got her on the scene. And 
there's a scene in the first five minutes or so where she shows up, Lena Dunham shows up to talk to her mother, and it is the worst acted thing I've seen in a long time, and I watched some real crap. And I was like, well, all right, I'll hang on to this for a few more minutes, but if this doesn't get better, I'm gone. Then Lena Dunham left so it got better. And then um, her mother was an art professor, I think, having some students in. They all had cake. It was a whole big thing. And then she was talking to somebody else about having to go somewhere. And it was like their problems are rich people problems about how they're not going to be able to do some kind of event or something like that. And it was like, I don't care about these people. I'm not interested in them. There's nothing they have to say. And it's so badly acted and so badly written. I turned it off after 10 minutes and I cleared it from my history so that I would never get recommended anything like that again. But if anybody's interested, you know, it's on Amazon. It's free. But, um, yeah, if you want a kind of an idea of where this me-centered nonsense comes from, there's some right there. It's She grew up with two, you know, high art artist parents who were like, well, everything you do is art. And was just encouraged on that level, and and here we are. And, you know, I'm really not interested in buying clothing from someone who has admitted to molesting someone. So, yeah, I, there's nothing she can do that would interest me in anything that she has to do art or, any, or otherwise. Exactly. Now, one of our topics, because April is Autism Acceptance Month, you know, there's been... You see various charities of that deal with autism. For those who remember, my daughter's on the spectrum. Stephanie can speak to her own experience. But what's your overall take on some of these charities before we de- delve into particular ones? Um, I wish that there were, and I know that they're out there, but I'm not. You know, you don't really hear a lot about them. But I wish there were more charities for adults who were on the spectrum, um, ones that worked kind of on a more local level to kind of um, help people with transition. That's a good one, like um, independent living. Um, One of the things about being on the spectrum is, like, you might be kind of poor at hygiene or you might be poor at self-care in terms of, like, doing your laundry or cooking for yourself or something. Or you might not be able to keep track of time well and you might have struggled with time management or you might struggle with um, being able to communicate with people at a bank. But just little things like that that neurotypical people kind of take, a, take for granted, I think, that um, if there were charities to help neurodiverse people be able to navigate the world better, um, something like that would be beneficial. Um, I'm sure that there are charities out there that do that, charities that are run by people with autism, charities that at least listen to people with autism, um, and and center the autistic person rather than like a parent or family member or doctor in the um, care and, and even education of um, of people about autism spectrum disorder. Because I know through research and just trying to get a firm grasp on the world itself that not all of the charities are created equal. Mm-hmm. One in particular, I'm not sure we should mention a name, but one in particular we both know. It, it says that they speak for people with autism. 
Yes. We could put it that way. Yes. This group of people, the more I dig, the less I like, the less I like, the more, you know, concern because chances are the average family may not delve into their particulars and just going to call it. Some of it has to do with eugenics, and it kind of bothers the hell out of me right now. Mm-hmm. That's the word for it. Yeah, there the the charity for which we of which we speak. I'll put it that way. Um, one of their main goals, and one of the things they put in their um, their messaging is to find a cure for autism. And for people on the spectrum, that's one. Exactly as you said, it's eugenics because it, um, too, indicates that there's something wrong with autism, that it is the other, and that's how kids end up being ostracized and bullied and stuff like that at school because we have an autism awareness month where, you know, we're made aware that there are people among us kids who are different, and so for this month we're going to acknowledge that they exist. And then in May, you can start bullying them again. Um, but, yeah, the, the idea of curing something that a lot of people see as intrinsic to their personalities or a lot of people on the spectrum refer to it as their superpower, um, it's what makes me me kind of thing. You know, I can say that for myself. Um, and my kids say the same. They're like, I, I wouldn't cure myself of, of what makes me me. But, you know, that's easy for them to say because, like, like for my son, my son is verbal. He makes eye contact. He's, you know, he doesn't have the same symptoms as even his sister who has selective mutism and sometimes has difficulty communicating in these situations. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of difficult for one group to speak for everyone. And when they do, they say, we're going to cure it because what they're really aiming for are neurotypical parents who don't want their children to have autism anymore and want them to behave in a more neurotypical way instead of teaching ways to people on the spectrum to make to make it easier for them to bend around the neurotypical world we all navigate. Um, it, it's, it's abysmal that we are this far along that and that um, A speaks is still considered like the top charity when people are looking for information about autism when it's not about or for people on the autism spectrum. It's about and for neurotypical people who are struggling to understand the neurodivergent person that they care about. One percent of their funding goes to actually family services, while 47 percent of their funding goes to pushing their brand and marketing. Mm-hmm. One percent. One percent. So, and I look at it like this: when you have such a large organization that is the pretense or under the pretense of helping, yeah, the word cure. Mm, I've heard people, oh, you know, I wish your daughter be cured. no cured. She's not dying. She's healthy. Healthy as a horse, actually. Mm-hmm. And it's more of not, if she doesn't learn the way you teach her, maybe you should teach 
the way she learns. Exactly. And it's, a, like you said, it's a bunch of different, but it's crafting something that works for her, like mm-hmm. her teachers, her ABA therapists do a hell of a job. They patient, they craft and try to give her the support that she needs and for this group to try to say they're the end-all, be-all. It went from casually annoying to out of my mind, like, rage. Like, Mm -hmm. who are these clowns? And why are they trying to speak for somebody? Yeah. When... Like you said, they're trying to push the that, that narrative and what their greatest gift is or their greatest skill is is the ability to try to not so much change a narrative but to influence the narrative of, well, you know, this is how it's going to be and people don't look deeper. If the average American looked deeper into it, they would see these some of these people, for, some of these groups for what they are, their, money, their money-making operations. Yeah. Uh, it reminds me a lot of the Komen Foundation. They weren't so much about research and awareness and, and um, screenings for breast cancer as they were copywriting the shade of pink that they were using and sticking a pink ribbon on products so they could sell them. It, you know, If you kind of saw through that one, then you can kind of see through the A-Speaks as well. Um, they're not so much charities or philanthropic organizations as they are just another shade of grift. Completely. And it's one of those things that, you know, it is, it'll be interesting to watch how their story unfolds over the years when people, different families have decided to speak out and speak up because the worst Mm -hmm. thing that this group would be able to do is try to start silencing families. You start silencing families who may have a member or two of the family who is on the spectrum, you're going to piss a lot of people off. Mm-hmm. But think, before... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, I think that they assumed that autistic people couldn't speak for themselves. And there is kind of um, a default that a person with autism is a child, and there's an infantilization that happens once you turn 18, you're still considered a child. Um, there are millions of autistic people who are out and thriving and doing really well and like we both said it's a spectrum some people are going to struggle with some things some people are going to do really well with other things um but you know there's just for an organization to just step up and say well you know we 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 want it we want it eradicated it is just abysmal it's terrible and they didn't anticipate that autistic people are going to speak up against this organization and say, I don't want to be eradicated. Um, there are a lot of people, too, who are like in the um, Downs community where they'll say, well, you know, no, I, I wouldn't change my child. Or, you know, there's um, Downs artists, artists with Down syndrome and stuff, and they're like, no, I wouldn't change who I am because it informs my experience. And so, you know, it, it's it's all like a eugenics thing, and we we can't go along with it. I think that's why there are 
more organizations popping up all the time as people on the spectrum are taking control of the narrative themselves. There are some great people on Twitter. If um, listeners aren't uh, following, um, just look for neurodiversity or actually autistic. That's another tag. But right now, um, autism acceptance, if you look for that tag on Twitter, you'll find some really great people to follow and learn a lot about um, autism spectrum disorder and the people who have it with their own voices. Not only varsity people, like I said, are those who want to contribute, or just those who want to learn more. If you have a family member who's recently diagnosed, do your research. All these groups aren't both the same. Like Stephanie just said, make sure you know you can separate good from the less than good. Before we get out of this stuff, can you tell people where they can interact, interact with you on social media? Oh, you can find me at Edenza, E-D-E-N-Z-A, on Twitter and elsewhere. You can find this podcast wherever quality podcasts, be it Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google, iHeartRadio, all of it. This has been another episode of the full uh, Black Tuesday podcast on the FPC Radio Network. Be good to yourselves. Be good to each other. <laughs>